Striving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Tech Life Sydney. Skill shortages locally are impacting businesses' ability to scale as well as nurture Australia's future product and engineering workforce. To compete on the global stage, Sydney is in need of world-class tech talent, which is why Tech Life Sydney creates awareness of the vibrant tech scene evolving in Sydney. Tech Life Sydney showcases the best of both worlds, an opportunity to work with world-class businesses and to enjoy a lifestyle only Sydney can offer. Visit www.techlifesydney.com to check out all the businesses on the Sydney map. I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm lucky enough to have Neil Gunning as my wonderful co-host. Today we're thrilled to be joined by Jamie Finnegan. Okay. All right, Jamie, to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your career background and your current role? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the talent space for uh, about a decade now. Um, As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm not from Australia originally, but I moved over here um, similarly about a decade ago. Uh, Worked for a company called Mitchell Lake, which is a kind of boutique specialist recruitment firm um, working with a lot of Australian kind of tech startups, Series A um, funding onwards, and a few kind of larger tech companies that launched into Australia as well, helping them with their land and expand kind of phase. Um, so I spent the best part of five years there working with some awesome people and some amazing companies. Um, very lucky to get to work across everything from engineering to marketing, sales, product, data, design, etc. And then about four and a half years ago now, I was uh, approached by my good friend, Joe, who was a product lead at Finder at the time. And uh, yeah, I've been the global head of talent at Finder now for the past um, four and a half years, um, working very closely with the, the founders and the team there. So Finder's um, Australia's most visited comparison website. Um, we help people compare anything from car insurance to cryptocurrency. Um, started around 15 years ago um, and kind of been on that international global expansion journey for the past six, seven years, I'd say now, slightly before I joined. And yeah, when, since I've been there, we've grown from 100 to 550 people now. Um, we've expanded and launched a couple of new offices in Canada and New Zealand and Singapore more recently as well. And yeah, we just continue to grow and expand from there, really. What brought you over here from the UK, Jamie, way back 10 years ago? What was it that brought you over here? Well, obviously, there was a plethora of opportunities for me in Birmingham back in those days, um, in the middle of the GFC. So I decided to risk it all uh, and come over here just traveling for a year, I think, as a lot of expats do. Um, came over here to see a bit of Australia and did a bit of that. And to be honest, I just loved the place fairly quickly and, and fell into this um, this role of recruitment in, with Mitchell Lake. And that kept me here, really. They offered to sponsor me and it was never part of the, the plan, but... I think that's a fairly common story you hear more and more. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't a conscious plan to move into recruitment. You fell into it. So tell me about that. How did that come about? How did you come across Mitchell Lake? What was the lure? What was it that, that kept you there? Yeah, I actually, funny enough, I worked for a company called Chic Celebrity Models when I first got here and I was working in talent booking. Um, not, again, a career I'd ever thought I'd be in or a business like that, but it was a fun one for a little while. 
And yeah, originally actually started working with Mitchell Lake, helping out with some like social media campaigns and a bit of the event stuff they were doing. And I think eventually they were kind of like, well, you can pick up a phone. Would you like to, you know, help us with some screening and finding out about some some candidates in the system, what they're up to now? So I always, um, yeah, I think enjoyed human interaction and that part of it was always interesting for me, finding out about different people, their backgrounds, their experiences, kind of what they were doing and yeah, the more and more I did that, I think the more interested I got in it. Um, very fortunate. My brother, Laurie, was friends with Mike Page, who was the MD of the business at the time. And then, yeah, like I mentioned, I was very fortunate to be able to work with different people across different areas um, of the job families and departments of the business. And yeah, got some awesome experience working there for the best part of five years. So thinking back to the beginning of that then, I mean, the, picking up a phone is is, is one part of it, <laughs> maybe 50%. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the multitude of skills you have to learn, especially in an agency when it's multiple clients and it's spinning lots of plates and so on and so forth. What was the biggest learning curve you think you went on when you first made that leap into recruitment back then? Well, I had a headset even, so the phone picking up that wasn't really... <laughs> but, um, they had automated the, the yeah, heads. <laughs> that wasn't something I could fail at, fortunately. But I think, um, look, a lot of it for me was exposure to the tech scene itself. You know, the industry in Australia, that was new to me. So learning about the the different kind of disciplines within businesses, learning really about startups. I remember they gave me um, some books, you know, in the, the very early days to read and you know, the whole Eric Reese startup playbook and all these kind of, you know, a few Ben Horowitz numbers back in there, hard thing about hard things, some of those classics. Um, and I was just intrigued by it, the whole methodology behind it, the different kind of parts of the team, how it would work. And then you kind of get more exposure and learning into the funding circles of stuff or how businesses scale or how they make mistakes and learn from those things. So that for me was just intriguing. And then more on the, I guess, the human level, speaking to a variety of people who kind of had different stages and journeys of that process. They'd worked in startups, some of them hadn't, some of them had had great success and others less so. And I just found that intriguing, I guess, the variety of people you got to speak to. So that was really, for me, the the big learning curve was just learning about the tech industry and startups themselves and how they were able to scale through people. So focusing on, I guess, the people element then. So back then, you've referenced, I mean, there was five years there, there was the books and there was the online resources and things like that you were looking at. What about the people? Who were the people that back then you feel like you learned a lot from and what were the key learnings you took away from? I hope that I listened to this because, you know, I don't want to give away too much praise, but um, <laughs> no, I'm still I'm still very fortunate to be very close to a lot of those people now. So my friends over at Think and Grow, Anthony Sochan and, and Simon Robinson, both very well respected in, in the space. You know, they helped me to learn a lot of skills about the, you know, Anthony specifically, I think in the early days, taught me a lot about the tech space and the setup in Australia and helped me grow a lot. He'd been on that journey himself not long before, so he was super helpful there. Um, Lucas Partington was another person who was amazing. He moved over to the US with Uber a while ago now and he helped them launch over here in Australia first. He was amazing again, helping me just the the hustle it takes in recruitment, the kind of hard work, um, but also the a lot around the marketing and that kind of element of recruitment I was learning there. Mike Page, again, helped me a lot um, with the basics in recruitment and just operating properly. Um, so like I said, I'm very fortunate. There's a lot of other people I'm probably not mentioning, but there are a few that I can just think off the top of my head that really helped me in the early days. Um, and I'm very fortunate that they still help me a lot these days as well. You know, um, I'm hopefully able to help them a little bit more than I was back then, but they definitely still help me just as much these days. Nice. And so I've noticed a few things that you mentioned, even the books and so on. You reference a lot more about the, you know, the, the need for that, the hustle, the fire in the belly, the industry knowledge and so on. Do you, do you believe that the recruitment industry is, is less 
there's less of a focus, less of a need to have the technical understanding and more of a need to understand more broadly and have, do you feel, I guess, it's base level characteristics as opposed to functional knowledge that's going to be the key for success in recruitment? Or has that been the case in your career? Or do you think there was a blend of both? That's an interesting one. I think that certainly in the, the early days setting the foundation, some of those theoretical bits of learning and stuff definitely help you. Um, having to understand, though I will, I will say, myself, back in the day when myself and Anthony were you know, kind of working a lot in that product management space and that was a bit of a new discipline in Australia the way we learned the most was speaking to people it wasn't that we had textbooks and reams of knowledge or kind of lots of theoretical stuff that we understood it was more having conversations with people learning from them picking up what worked there and yeah that was I guess learning through experience that way I think as a recruiter that having that kind of grit and determination and, and hustle and hard work is always going to stand you in good stead but you can't always just rely on that you know you do have to be able to pick up certain things you know whether it's cues or bits of knowledge that you can utilize and you know you can't just constantly spray and praise the term that people use a lot I think it was a lot more about the utilizing the knowledge you have over time and so if you like so five years you were at Mitchell League if you were to think back to that day the whole breadth of that time, because, you, you know, the way you went in there and the way you came out of there would have been two very different professionals. But thinking of it in its entirety, what would you say is like the, the key learning, the key thing you took away from that that's just, it's never left you? Like the thing that when you think back, you go, geez, thank God I, I learned X or I did X because that's really been, you know, it's been there through the rest of my career. I think it was the, the approach to recruitment in a lot of ways. You hear about kind of these boiler room and kind of setups that a lot of agencies may have. Um, which isn't necessarily the, the healthiest. How many calls have you done between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock? And exactly, the, the, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got this time to eat your lunch between this time for client meetings, this time for calls. <laughs> and I think I was very fortunate, again, um, to work with Mitchell Lake, where there was a lot of a lot of trust put in you as an individual. Um, you were given that trust and it was yours to lose from the beginning rather than having to establish that over a period of time. Um, that we were allowed to be creative with things. You know, I remember running events back in the day around products when we were launching that kind of space. Um, building relationships with the guys at INSEAD Business School and kind of talking about their graduates and how we could help them find jobs in Australia. Um, we did some stuff around kind of E3 visa and being able to give people experience in placements in the US and stuff. So it was like some of that stuff that you would never get exposure to necessarily in other businesses. I think we were really kind of pushed almost to do that kind of thing, to be a bit more creative, to be a bit more, just to do things a bit differently and back ourselves in that sense. So I think um, yeah, being in control of your own destiny and kind of taking your own approach to those things, you know, letting your personality come across and not being so, I guess, rigid in the way you do things and allowed to be a bit more more creative with things. I think that's definitely stood me in, in, in good stead. I think when we look at, you know, me, me and yourself, Neil, we talk about some recruitment data and metrics and stuff sometimes as well. I think that that tells part of the story, but there's a whole other story it doesn't tell. So I think being able to understand that from an early stage has also helped me in what I've been able to do in my career. Um, but yeah, again, very fortunate that I was given the environment to learn that and to do that within in the first place. Nice one. You're still five years later. You Metro League for five years. Sounds like you still got great relationships there, you know, with the with the team from back then, even now. What was it then that made you sort of feel like you needed to make that next leap into into find it? I'd worked there for, like I say, a long time and, and we'd achieved a lot as a as a business during that time. And we'd been on pretty big journey working with some some amazing businesses and I, I kind of knew that when I was going to move on I would love to actually be on the inside of a business you know I think you're you're always kind of a little bit at arm's length and um, working in an agency side of things you know you kind of you get to see through the keyhole almost then you work on a project for a short period of time but you never really get to see the inside the inner workings you know look under the hood and see 
you know, how that person progresses and the impact they have every day. And that was actually something that I found quite polarizing when I actually first joined Finder was, you know, these, you would have deemed as clients, I guess, in agency and now your colleagues, but also your, also your kind of partners and hiring managers. And it's a very different, um, different context in which you operate working with those people. And so I think that was, that was always a, an interest of mine to be actually able to work on the inside of that and see a longer term project through. And like I say, I was very fortunate again, a friend of mine, um, Joanna Auburn, who has her own business now, um, but she was the product lead at Finder at the time. She yeah, reached out to me and said, would you be interested in chatting to Fred about this role? And I was kind of unsure at the beginning, to be honest, and had a quick chat with Fred. And yeah, I found Fred is a, is a, is a character, but the way, he, the way he talked about the business, the way he kind of talked about the ambition, the way that they were really kind of interested in putting a real investment, I guess, into people um, in the business and the people that were building that people function as well. So that was really, yeah, that was eye-opening for me. Um, I was very lucky again then to meet with Frank, um, who's the other founder in, in the next conversation, and then with a bunch of other people. I think it was the, the head of tech at the time, head of product, um, Jeremy, who's another um, co-founder, the CEO of the business these days. I was yeah, blown away by some of the things they were telling me about and the ambition they had. I think Finder was a business that for me had flown under the radar a little bit, potentially because it hasn't, you know, taken funding on maybe or whatever it was. It just hadn't been written about in the press as much from that kind of corporate comm side stuff. So yeah, it was just really surprising for me that this business was there and, and the ambition they had, the, the values of the business aligned with me. And that was the the reason for me, you know, that was why I chose Finder and and timing wise, I think it was a a great decision to, to join them when I did and um, given the, the stage they were at and you know everything that's happened since then has been heaps of challenges heaps of learning opportunities lots of things that have been massive growth opportunities for me as a, as a as a professional but personally too so yeah very it was a great decision yeah I can say mm. solidly no regrets there amazing so thinking then uh, you know the the last period of time you're at Mitchell Lake and the the skills that you had gained how you were deploying those skills how you were utilizing your expertise that you'd gained over those last five years and then day one week or the first six months in finder how are those you know what were the things you had to learn how were you deploying those old skills how did they evolve tell me about that learning journey from one to the other yeah it's interesting now i think back to my first day and i think about other people's first days that we have these days you know and it was a you know we're learning to do it all remotely these days as well but it was kind of the you know people get a box of swag on the first day and they have this awesome set up and they have all these meetings booked in and the whole onboarding process sorted i think mine was probably slightly different back in the day and um, i was yeah reporting to fred and you know he gave me an amazing onboarding as well but a very different version of that i think i joined and it's kind of here's the laptop meet some people around us here's some t-shirts and then it's kind of like, right we need to hire a, a country manager for for the us you know we're going over to new york soon and we need to get that going so it was a yeah it was definitely a baptism of fire I think I got to meet a few of the people and that was awesome in itself you know meeting a different group of people I remember the first thing was setting up a LinkedIn recruiter account I think on the first or second day and learning from Fred about the values of the business and pitching the company and all those kind of things it was very very different I guess from the way that would run an agency and kind of the the way that you would interact with the different people so that was definitely eye-opening but it was a I look back on it now extremely fondly I think that you know the first five, six weeks I spent in Australia speaking to everyone I could do in a US time zone. So I was in the office before anyone was there anyway and speaking to people in the US every morning. And then I think within six, seven weeks, Fred said, right, we're ready to go on this. And I said, not, not, not yet. We kind of need to get a few more people. And he's like, cool, well, um, get your visa sorted. We need to fly to the US. And, you know, I think within within two months, I think I was on a plane with him 
heading over to the New York office, meeting the team over there, um, meeting heaps of people for the CEO role. And we hired someone, which was awesome. And it was a, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy experience. But yeah, it was amazing as well, looking back on it, see what we're able to achieve in such a short period of time. You know, when, you, when you're forced to do something in that period of time, you just make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even a case of, you know, there was particular skills that you had to deploy in a different way. Because, I mean, it sounds like you you were basically from a base level, you were having to deploy your skills in the same way, but you're just having to do it in a, in a kind of baptism of fire, very different type of environment. How did that kind of spur on the learning? I mean, was it a daunting prospect to be like, Holy shit, how the hell am I going to you know, keep up with this founder who's a bag of energy and is taking me over to America within two months and I've got no idea what he's looking for. I'm still figuring out how to learn the values. And, and you know, I mean, how do you just jump in head first? There was like, some key things, safeguards you put around yourself to to enable that, to to allow yourself to grab a hold of it and run home. Yeah, look, one of our values is go live. Um, having a bunch of stores for activity. Yeah. Um, I think that was the, the values worked. But yeah, the living, breathing example of that at the time. So I definitely had to go live from day one. Um, but look, I wouldn't have it any other way. Now looking back on it, I think that it was it allowed me to be able to feel like I was adding value from day one as well. And um, I felt like working closely with Fred was probably something that you wouldn't have had again in that agency setup. So the skill there was having such close client interaction or, you know, colleague interaction, whatever you want to call it, founder interaction, um, that you wouldn't have otherwise had typically. And that was something to, I guess, learn at the time, you know, navigate. I think you often meet in a briefing meeting with the founder from an agency and you have kind of, you know, weekly catch-ups or whatever, and that can be in person or over the phone. This was on a desk next to the guy every day. It was meeting other people in the business who weren't recruiters, you know, when you work in a recruitment business, most of your colleagues work in recruitment and this was different. I was working with engineers and marketers and product managers and PR folk, you know, it was very different to understand that, but I learned some amazing things straight away, you know, um, RLDs and whatever they are in in PR and the way they're asking for do follows and all these things in different articles. You probably learned about that Neil now as well, but I think the, all that kind of stuff was really interesting to me and kind of you get a different angle and a different focus to what you're doing. But yeah, a lot of the skills that I had picked up in, working at Mitchell Lake did stand me in good stead in terms of, you know, being able to brief a process effectively, map it effectively, scheduling, managing my own time, setting up these interviews with people, defining a, a set of key pillars at the beginning of the search, qualifying on those throughout, you know, follow-up calls, keep, you know, there was all those bits and pieces, there's probably many more, but they were a few things that I think really just helped with that initial search. And um, like I say, I was, I was just focusing on that one at the very beginning. And um, it went from a, um, a country manager of the US to an office manager when I came back for Sydney. So very different kind of roles. But again, um, a lot of those skills um, stood me in good stead for that search for sure. Absolutely. The office manager is significantly more important without fail. They are the glue between departments. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> thinking back four years ago then, so you've been there four and a half years. You meet yourself four years ago in a bar. What's the advice you would give yourself back then? I'm just thinking there's probably a few things in terms of I think I put a lot of, as an individual, typically I put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve things. And I think that I probably would have, on reflection, probably looked to enjoy that experience a bit more. I think Mm. there was probably cues there where I could have focused more on meeting people in the company and spending time with different people in different teams and stuff versus kind of working on this search and trying to build this talent practice. Um, Having said that, I wouldn't go back and necessarily change things because they turned out really well. But I think Mm. that on reflection, I probably could have um, slowed down and enjoyed that a bit more if I was giving that advice to someone else. That's something I'd probably say. Um, I think in terms of planning, you know, again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think 
been able to link some of these hiring goals to business performance, some of those things in the very early days would have been something I would have tried to do that we do a lot of now. But I think also, again, you know, we were 100 people globally, 60 in Sydney, moving really quickly. That was kind of part of the fun of it was sometimes it was a bit wild and crazy and it's a bit less so nowadays, hopefully. Um, I like to think it is anyway, but I think um, there's still an element of that in there which keeps it fun. Um, but yeah, I think slowing down and enjoying that part of the journey, being a bit more self-reflective, is, it's nice to think about that now. But at the time, it was still super enjoyable. But I think I put a lot of pressure on myself at the time to achieve things straight away. So yeah, that's probably one piece of advice I would give myself. All right. So taking you, you out of the equation, then someone's entering a career path that's going to be similar to you, whether it be internal moving to agency or agency moving to internal. Way back at the beginning of the career, what advice would you give them just to get them on the rung, the first rung of the ladder and set up for success? Yeah, just be a sponge, right? Just soak up as much information as you can, learn from everyone. Everyone's going to have a different perspective and some other nugget of gold that you'll be able to take and that, you know, surprisingly will probably last you longer than you think it will at the time. It might be a comment you think, oh, that's quite interesting. But, you know, probably a few of them that were given to me years ago that I still think of regularly now. Um, I remember I talked about Simon uh, back in the day, you know, who's think growing up, I was in Mitchell Lake together at the time, mm. talking, telling me early on that worries are wasted emotion. You know, that was one thing I always hold true now. And it was like, just control what you can control. You know, I think in the game of recruitment, there's lots of ups and downs. There's mm. you're dealing with the most unpredictable thing known to man itself. I think that you can only do so much. So I think that mm. that's one thing I've held true to now. But I think soaking that up and listening to it all is one piece of advice I would definitely uh, suggest. I love that. The most unpredictable man is what's the analogy? We're dealing with the only product in quotation marks known to man that can say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a white good. It's not a car. Yeah. Our product can say no. So, okay, growth moving forward then, Jamie. And, you know, you do you have, and think of growth, obviously, it's, it's not just obviously vertical, it's horizontal, it's diagonal, et cetera. So, you know, whether it be knowledge based growth, whether it be, you know, um, vertical, you know, maybe you want Fred's job. <laughs> what does growth look like for you and how are you what are you putting in place steps wise to, to start moving towards that yeah um, I think I've been again in a position through Finder where when I joined there was no one else really in, in the people function so not just in talent but in people in general so I've been very fortunate that the growth has come in many different forms and directions um, I already mentioned about learning things about you know PR and data science and all these other kind of areas but I think also even in the people spectrum you know learning about different policies, legalities within the HR functions or people ops or, um, you know, L&D is an area, you know, Master Your Craft is a big area to value at Finder and Master Your Craft. And I've got actually, funny enough, actually, that I've got a, of course, I'm taking on Redefining HR. I've not heard of that one, Neil. Um, Lars Schmidt, who runs that one. And that's kicking off on the, I think it's the fifth of, I think it's the fourth over there. It's the fifth here. um, Nice. Next week. So, that for me is about, you know, learning uh, from others, learning from the different people presenting on the course. But it's just a different angle, right? You get people from different businesses and there's a whole community of things I've already been kind of shown into there now, the big Slack community that, that's set up as part of that. I can't wait to get running on the course and start learning about some of that stuff as well. But I think I'm in a very fortunate position where I learn every day on the job in what I do. There's obviously more formal um, ways we're learning like this course I'm taking on and the crazy time zone shift there with that one but I think there's also every day I'm fortunate enough to learn from the founders whether it's Frank or Jeremy and Fred whoever it may be the heads of departments the other people in the people and culture team who I learn from constantly and other peers in industry yourself Neil me and you have some good chats and I learn a lot from those kind of things other people who I speak to in the kind of talent community there's 
yeah, I think it comes in so many different forms and ways. Um, it's kind of endless for me. I think it's just like being open to that learning and realising it is a learning opportunity. But for me personally, like I say, professionally in that sense, someone asked me a while ago, you know, what's your next career move? You know, where do you go from the role here? Do you move into another role at final? What do you do? And I think gone are the days sometimes where you're just in that role and you're in it forever. It's like the role evolves so much each year that it is a new role. You know, the business changes from 100 people to now over 550 people. The role I was doing four years ago, four and a half years ago, is very different to today. So I have to learn each day to keep up with that rate of growth of the business. Now, obviously, there's other things I want to pick up and I act proactively do that as well. But so much of it just comes in your day-to-day of what you're doing, you know? Love it. LG, same check. All right. Well, the last question we always ask people is, who else would you like to hear from? Who else's career story would you like to hear from? A book that's a personal favourite of mine is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who's the founder of Pixar. And I think there's just so many nuggets of gold in his stories and some of those bits and pieces. I'd love to hear, you know, I've read the book, obviously, but I'd love to hear some of the, the insights and more in-depth pieces from Ed Catmull. I think that would be super interesting. Um, yeah, there's also a lady who I heard speak at a LinkedIn event a few years ago in Dallas, and her name is Cynthia Marshall, and she had a fascinating life story um, she was working with the Dallas Mavericks I think on changing their kind of culture and some of the D&I work she'd done she was a really interesting speaker and there was only a short kind of snapshot of, of her life in that presentation but I would love to hear more depth about her as well I thought she was incredible awesome thanks for that and thanks for today I appreciate it all good thank you both want to know more about how to get ahead be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving and thriving. 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 Striving and thriving.